Welcome to the Age of Audio. My name's Graham Brown from the award-winning podcast agency Pickle & Co. The Age of Audio is a series of conversations with thought leaders and changemakers in the world of audio. That's podcast, radio, and social audio converging with big data to create engaging and authentic content for a new generation of listeners. Joseph, let's talk about uh, B2B marketing and podcasts. How do you define this space? It seems to be a lot of SaaS platforms occupying mm-hmm. the podcast space. What is it in your words? Got it. I think, I think the key difference for a kind of B2B company podcasting is there are usually much more kind of sales motivated purposes involved, right? It's, it's not usually just a take like Wondery's podcast or any kind of, I'm thinking of like Joe Rogan, right? Obviously the reason why a B2B company is podcasting is very different to why Joe Rogan is podcasting. And I think, you know, one, one of the key reasons for a B2B company is that you're trying to build a very kind of small tight audience of really your kind of target ideal mm. customer profile, right? That should, for me, that should be the main goal of a B2B podcast, um, I don't think you can approach a B2B podcast the same way as Wondery or, you know, a, a kind of like traditional media company that may podcast. I think you have to approach it in a fundamentally different way because there's different objectives, right? And mm. you, you can't just podcast for the sake of podcasting because it, it, there needs to be some kind of tangible result from it, right? Mm. Because it's it's not cheap to podcast. It's not, and if you want to do it properly, it's not cheap, right? Mm. Producing a podcast itself can be re- relatively cheap, but I think the whole strategy around it and the, you know, the distribution of a podcast, that all has to be taken into consideration. So I think, yeah, I think the way that you approach a B2B podcast is, is very different and it's, it should really be about building and kind of cultivating an audience mm. of your target ideal customer profile. Whereas, you know, Joe Rogan, he's just, or any other kind of media style, media company podcast Mm. I think the the angle there is very different. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, I mean they're they're building advertising real estate, aren't they? Yeah. Whereas B two B is really about creating mind share and influencing mm-hmm. existing conversations. When you work on B two B podcasts, do you uh, build funnels for clients effectively, or are these sort of standalone entities? Because it seems to me like if it's B2B, it has to kind of sit inside a funnel somewhere, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. The, the approach that we take is is kind of more of a, I wouldn't say completely standalone because a lot of what we're doing, a lot of what, you know, if take one of my clients, for example, the social housing podcast. Um, mm. I run that for one of my clients called Voicegate. So they're like a social housing tech provider. And a lot of what we do with them is we're building the CEO's profile. Right. So mm. we're taking the content from the podcast where he's sharing a, you know, a unique perspective, where he's sharing, you know, an interesting thought. And then we're distributing that across his LinkedIn profile. So it's kind of two different plays there of, yeah, we're building the kind of standalone podcast and the brand of the podcast. Mm. But then we're also building the CES profile. But I guess to your point of the funnel, it's kind of difficult because I I, I don't think I would track a podcast traditionally of, of how most people would do it of like, you know, how many leads did this podcast generate? Mm. Right. Mm. How many, how many leads did this episode generate? You know, did we drive business from the guests that came onto the show? Like I, I don't really approach it like that. I mean, how I think about me- measuring a podcast, looking at the podcast itself is really 
are we influencing you know key things like for example uh organic branded search right mm. so as a result of starting this kind of branded podcast play and building up the ceo's profile are we then seeing that reflection in are more people now searching for my client on google mm. are more people now recognizing them as a brand are we getting more people go to his profile on linkedin right i i think one key thing i'd, I'd, I'd say here is it's very hard to directly measure a podcast mm. right like how many leads did we generate you've, you've kind of got a the way that I approach it, and I know not everyone does this, but the, the way that I would approach it is it's got to be more kind of indirect, whereby mm. we do this podcast and then there's certain things that you can look at like organic branded search that give you very strong indicators to if this is actually working. Do you get a lot of um, follow through from podcast to organic branded search? I haven't really, I'm aware mm-hmm. of it. I can see it in anecdotal form. Yeah. you know, And obviously you've got the podcast stripe that appears the carousel that appears on Google as well, which is actually, I think, a bit of a, a hidden gem that people haven't realized that the competition for that is pretty low compared to websites, for example. Well, what's the sort of like, what's the correlation between podcasts and organic branded search? What have you seen? Yeah, so it's more, I don't know if you were talking there about podcasting, but when, when I say organic branded search, I'm mm. more talking about people actually searching for the company, yeah. not the podcast. Yeah, um, that's, so that yeah is, sorry, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's more, look, the, the idea is that like, you know, if this podcast is really working, if we are actually influencing, mm. you know, our target ideal customer profiles, if it is actually generating the awareness and the conversations with these key accounts, that should be then reflecting in that pe- more people should now be searching for mm. my client in Google, inside LinkedIn, that that should be a direct correlation, right? If if we're becoming more well known in the sector, which we have been, that should then be a reflection. Of, okay, more people now. That almost should have a down funnel hmm. reflection in 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 the funnel. Um, and and the first point there is okay, are more people going to Google, or more people going to LinkedIn? You know, searching up the CEO, hmm. engaging with his content. Are they are more people going to Google and typing in VoiceScape, right? Because they're curious and you know they've they've mm. heard the CEO talk now seven different times across seven different episodes, and they're now genuinely interested in what VoiceScape do. So yeah, that's how I think about it. Yeah, I haven't really seen anybody talk about that. I mean, mm. what I was referring to, I guess, is more obvious, but it's probably your search, you, you know, bringing up results of the podcast, right? But what you're saying is like, you know, it's the awareness play. They have so many searching for a brand. You, you can measure the impact of the podcast through that, right? And are you yeah. seeing direct knock-on on that? Are you seeing like yeah. X equals Y? How, how's it working? What sort of observations? Yeah, so what we do is we kind of take it from from the start. So when we first, when I first start working with a client, I'll kind of assess, okay, where is organic branded search and where yeah. is, for example, things like their number of LinkedIn profile views? Where is that at? Like before we start the podcast and before, mm. before we start this branded content play, and then three months down the line, six months down the line, where have we seen an increase in that, right? And it's pretty obvious. It's not, look, you, you can never be 100% sure if, if it mm. was down to that. But if, you know, the only branded content play is the podcast and that's the only really mm. awareness thing that this company is doing, it's pretty obvious that the podcast is driving that organic mm. branded increase. So that's how I think about it. It's like, where are they at before we start it? And then three, six months down the line, what mm. does that number look like? And have we seen an increase? And where does that manifest most on Google or LinkedIn search? What do you find? 
I think it's both. I'd say for LinkedIn, it's more about the person, hmm. right? So it's more about, and we I've seen this. So what the CEO, John Doyle, um, his, his profile views have just massively increased. Hmm. Um, and that's obviously both come from the content that he shared on, on LinkedIn, but it's also come from just people are now listening to the podcast. Hmm. And it's funny, he's told me that the amount of messages that he's got from people that have listened to the episodes hmm. that are there ideal customer profile right, that like yeah. literally fit their ideal customer profile mm. have, has just shot up like he'll get you know one two messages every single week which may not sound like a lot but you've got to remember it's a small focused audience yeah. that are going after but you know one two messages a week from your ideal customer profile saying john listen to the episode it was amazing mm-hmm. would love to hear more about you know what you guys do or just even just is a is a way to start a conversation it's you know uh, that's what i'm really trying to drive right mm. it's like people who are becoming genuinely interested in what we do so yeah that's how it kind of manifests itself so when you pitch the idea of a podcast to a brand in the yeah. b2b space what what is the main message there that works because i can understand there's a lot of different things here potentially yeah. brand awareness thought leadership increasing organic inbound search um, highly aligned leads coming through your door. Where Where is really the sweet spot for you? Because I guess also it's what you can kind of control and guarantee that's important as well, isn't it? And managing expectations. Yeah, of course. Of course. Look, I think there are, and we may come onto this of like other, you know, podcast agencies, but I know a lot, a lot of agencies that will, you know, approach clients. I know my own clients have been approached by agencies where they've, you know, pitched them on the whole will book you guests of your ideal mm. customer profile. To me, that's that's a bit of a cheat way, right? Like I've done, I do a lot of guest booking myself. I'm not going to say it's very easy, but it's not the hardest thing to do, right? Mm. It's, you know, if you send someone an email who's never been on a podcast before and you, you know, you invite them onto a podcast, it makes them feel special. It boosts their ego. They want to come on. They want, you know, every, a lot of people will say yes to coming onto a podcast. It's not mm. ridiculously difficult to book guests for a podcast. So to me, the whole kind of, and what a lot of agencies will do is their pitch to clients is, you know, use this podcast as a bit of a sales mm. relationships mover, right? Where you can invite your ideal account, you know, account on that you're trying to close. And it can be a way to either start a new conversation with a prospect or try and nurture a current prospect. Mm. Um, and to me, that's, that's, that works, but that's not a true long-term podcast mm. play. Mm. What I'm pitching clients on is like, look, like, let's actually try and build a brand here and let's actually try and build an asset that is genuinely going to create demand for your service and products. Mm. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to do a quick short-term three-month thing where we invite a few you know, ideal accounts on and it's a quick little sales play. How I'm pitching it is like, you know, it, usually it's a relatively small marketing team. Sometimes it's like one or two people who are on the marketing team. So relatively small B2B SaaS software companies mm. and they, they want to really start taking the kind of brand awareness play more seriously. And it's, you know, okay, how do we create an asset both with the podcast Mm. and also the CEO's profile, whoever is the host of the podcast, how do we build both of those assets up to genuinely create demand, uh, inbound demand Mm. um, for your products and services um, and really start creating conversation, right? Um, And that manifests itself in, in different ways, like, you know, people talking about, the company about the podcast, sending you direct messages. Like, how do we really create that buzz effect? That's what I'm trying to do with clients. And mm. yeah, 
ways of tracking that, like I said, is organic branded search. And- yeah, the building of the asset is key here. That's what's scalable. You, you can do the guest booking as long as you're booking guests. That's effective. Yeah. But when that stops, that stops, right? Mm-hmm. But the asset continues to generate traffic in theory forever yeah. until people get, you know, they move on to something else. But there's pro- potentially years you can discover podcasts years after they're published as well. Yeah. So what do you find to be the resistance in mm-hmm. conversations? I am a classic one being, oh, we've got to do video, not <laughs> podcast. That's, I mean, everybody's had that one. Yeah, yeah. What, what else do you find? What are the sort of the commonly held beliefs mm-hmm. that you face when you're having these conversations? I think there's a few. I think like at the very kind of start, I mean, I guess at the root of it, it's, Fundamentally, my model will not work for a lot of B2B companies mm. of how they kind of are currently set up, to, you know, of how their marketing engine, sales engine is currently set up. It just won't work because we'll get eight episodes in, we'll get 10 episodes in, and then the CRO, chief revenue officer will come knocking and he'll be saying, okay, where, where are the leads? How many leads have this podcast generated? This model that I've got, it, it just, and I say this to a lot of people, it won't work for a lot of B2B mm. companies because they're not set up to you know their sales marketing engine is it's just it's not set up for this to work already my client base is if who i can actually work with it's a lot smaller but i'm all right with that right i i I wouldn't want to be working with a b2b company where i'm having to always answer that where are the leads question Mm. Um, so i'd say that that's like the first one i guess then the second one there is is i guess on the on the format right of the podcast and that's i think a lot of B2B companies are are tied to like the interview format. Mm. That seems to be the only format. I think there's, there's, there's very few that have kind of pushed themselves out of that. It's the only one they know. That's the problem. Yeah. I mean, like ProfitWell would be a perfect example of a company. Mm. I, I always mention them because what they're doing is just, is, is amazing. Uh, you know, Wistia, there's, 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 there's a few examples of, of ones that are doing it differently. Mm. Um, but I think there's so much more to be done on the format. What, what do they do that's different? They do. I mean, they've they've got a few different series. And I think actually, there's there's two actually that I'd mentioned. So there's Profitwell and Freightwaves. Both those really, they've really took, I mean, at the top of it, the reason why what they're doing is working so well is, is they're not approaching the podcast as like this little asset over here that we can mm. use to generate leads. And it's this thing that we do on the side like the way that they approach marketing is more of a media company rather than we just have this little podcast over here. Mm. So like, first of all, it's the approach that both of those companies use. So Freightwaves and Profitwell, they, they approach, I mean, Freightwaves, they've got like 12 different podcasts. So mm. they, they, they're in like the freight sector and they, they have like a news show they do a daily news show where they invite people on in the sector and they, you know, have, they talk about everything that's going on they have diff. They have several different podcasts. Um, they do like a get. They do loads. Same with Profit World. They do a pricing page teardown show. Mm. So I think it's 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 first of all at the very top, it's the approach that they're using. Right, they're approaching their content. They're approaching their podcasts more of like a media company rather than mm. again, like I said, like a B two B company would a traditional B two B company. And I think that goes that actually goes to the point of maybe you don't just start one podcast right? Experiment, yeah. right? I, you actually don't see a lot of B2B companies doing this, right? They have this like one podcast and actually why not try four different podcasts, right? Yeah, obviously it's good to focus on one, 
But at the same time, if you've got lots of different products and services and lots of different target, you know, ideal customer profiles, actually, it might make more sense to maybe try your hand at four or five different formats and actually experiment a little more. So I think there's there's definitely something to be said, first of all, at the top, and I'm going to keep saying it, but approaching it, approaching your podcasts and branded content, you know, more like a media company, first of mm. all, um, but then also, you know, be willing to experiment with different formats and different shows, particularly when you've got lots of different profiles that you're trying to get in front of and lots of different audiences. Mm. Yeah, the, the, the multiple shows one's very interesting. So mm. the point about media, I think of a great example, if we go back a few years, Red Bull, mm-hmm. the mm. drink, the energy drink, very yeah. much approached what was the consumer package good sector with a different mindset, which is they became a media company. Yeah. So they set up their own media house and you know they in the early days of YouTube they were creating a lot of content and they were like one of the big um probably the most popular brands on YouTube mm-hmm. in the early days things have obviously changed a lot. And yeah. But still you know they approached that whole space by saying that we have to generate mind share because mm-hmm. literally all we have is fizzy water, right? Yeah. That's it with a bit of caffeine in it. Yeah. Therefore, how do we compete with that? We have nothing. Mm-hmm. We're no different from these guys. So all we have is the ability to constantly create media. In the same way, I think B2B SaaS is similar. I mean, I know each of them will say their products are different, but in the minds of the customers, they're not. They're no. all, they don't, don't even have know. a software company. Yeah. yeah. They don't have yeah. no idea. They don't know who the people are, what they do. Yeah, And so this idea of like being a media company and this freight waves is very interesting as well. Mm-hmm. That putting that front and center. I like the idea of the multiple podcasts. I've seen that obviously, you know, done mm-hmm. different ways. Mm-hmm. And I th- you think that comes back to, you know, there isn't one person in the business, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there are multiple storytellers. There's multiple yeah. uh, public speakers. There's multiple leaders within a business. They don't have to yeah. all be the CEO. Mm-hmm. Chief revenue officer could be, you know, head of product. Yeah, could be head of development, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. uh, or even somebody who manages key accounts as well. Mm-hmm. That they should have a voice, and then why not give them a platform to speak up as well? So, you know, I think what the model we're moving to, Joseph, is that mm-hmm. um, you're not going to have like one brand, one podcast. I, I really feel that it's going to be, you know, one podcast for every leader. Yeah, in the organization. And that's mm-hmm. the model we're going to evolve into over time where you could have potentially, I mean, I'm seeing it already with brands like McKinsey. McKinsey have like 20 podcasts. Yeah. You know, in future, they could have 200. I mean, you can imagine every yeah. leader inside McKinsey, that's a thousand, right? Yeah. So that's a good account, right? To get hold of, right? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. That is, I think, you know, but the point is, I guess, that brands don't know, do they? They mm. don't know what kind of formats, they don't know. Like they should be doing multiple podcasts and they don't know that it should mm-hmm. be front and center. Yeah. Because, you know, it's just kind of, oh, we've got this podcast thing going on the side. So, so how do you deal with that? What, what sort of like, what clicks with you and your conversations where you get them to put it front and center and say, look, or do you say, okay, let's start this as a side gig. And then if this is successful, move it front and center. How does it work? Where do you start that? Yeah. Look, I, I think. I'd be lying if I said I, I come in straight away and we, you know, create a whole media engine and arm for them. It's just that's not going to be the reality for most companies. Number one, 
because of cost, right? Like to have several different podcasts and to do all mm. of that, like it's, it's all, you know, that's a massive cost. Um, but then number two, it's also, it's a big mindset change, right? For a lot of these uh, B2B companies, even the ones that are trying now to embrace more of the brand style kind of uh, content game. Mm. So I think, yeah, you, initially you do have to come in with like the, you know, the single show or maybe one or two shows. Um, but I think how I, from day one, I'm trying to change the mindset a little bit is like, you know, maybe we have a different format that we're using, right? And we're we're breaking away from the traditional mold. So it's doing things in the early days that start to get them to think a little bit differently about, you know, number one, the format of the podcast. Hmm. But then also I think when it really, and what I've noticed with with my own clients, when it really starts to open up for them is, for example, the CEO, right? When he starts to see that, 20 CEOs of housing associations, which is his kind of target, mm. are engaging with his content on LinkedIn. I think that's when, and I'll give you, an, I, I was on a call with um, one of the sales guys, the SDRs the other day of that client. And he was saying that there was a month, I think back in January, where they were having like an internal meeting and the CEO, John had mentioned to everyone that this month he'd had like, I think it was like 500 inbound requests from like people of his ideal target you know, persona or profile, like actually request him on LinkedIn mm. and everyone was just blown away because it's just, that's like unheard of, right? That's unheard of in like the sales B2B world. What I've seen that particularly podcasting is a little bit harder because it's a little bit more anonymous, right? And as B2B sales leaders and as, you know, salespeople, we like to know exactly who is consuming the content. We want to know exactly who's done what and we want to track everything. So I think LinkedIn makes that a little bit clearer, um, and from what I've seen is that when, you know, the CEO or whoever starts to see that actual engagement, they start to see who's engaging mm. and they really start to go, oh, wow, you know, we're getting comments from this target account. We're getting shares from this target account. That's when it starts to become a lot more real. You know, it's more kind of like the, the more kind of qualitative stuff, right? It's the, it's the messages that the CEO is getting on his LinkedIn profile where it's mm. like, wow, how, how is this account just messaged me out of nowhere? Right, saying that he's been listening to five episodes and that he's binge watched them all over the week. Like, how how has that just happened? And that's where you start to have the real mindset changes, right? Mm. It's I say it's the mindset change doesn't come with quantitative data; it comes with qualitative feedback, mm. right? It comes with when people when you're actually seeing visually, you know, people that you recognize that you've already had conversations with or that you're trying to initiate conversations with, and you're actually seeing that they're reaching out to you for a change, you're not reaching out to them. So that that's where the change starts to happen. And then from there, you can, you know, open it up and you can, you know, I'm, I'm right now, I'm kind of in the process at the minute of pitching them a, a, a new show concept where we're going to take content that's going to curate c- content um, mm. like housing content, uh, news content, and we're going to try and turn it into like a daily, weekly show sharing news, a bit like what Freightways have done. Um, so yeah, it starts with, you know, initially pitching the kind of single show and maybe differentiating that a little bit. And then once they really start to see that kind of qualitative feedback, key there, qualitative, not quantitative, mm. um, it starts to become a lot more real. So that, that's that's how I think about it. A lot, I'm still in the early days of this, but yeah, that's that's how I think about it.
You've been listening to The Age of Audio with me, Graham Brown, from the award-winning podcast agency Pickle & Co. To get access to all the audio conversations and book content for The Age of Audio, go to www.theageofaudio.com. One more time, theageofaudio.com. 